one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. back to the Friday Five with me, Nizal, and a romp through the latest nutritional news, especially in relation to COVID, support for our immune systems, a discussion on the obesity epidemic, our real vitamin D requirements, the perils of low-fat eating, and as we move into a new month, a quick look back on Veganuary. Yeah, lots to say. And to join me this week, I am delighted to welcome back Dr. Zoe Harkham, the highly respected researcher, writer and advocate in the world of diet and health, with a particular interest in public health dietary guidelines, especially those involving dietary fat, nutrition and obesity. So Zoe, welcome back. It's so nice to chat again. Thank you for finding the time. Thank you for having me. Uh, fascinating, as always, to follow everything that you do. I get your weekly newsletters. I'm an avid fan of yours on Twitter. You know, the information that you put out is just so good and so solid. And I, I would encourage many of my listeners, if they don't already uh, follow you, to please do so. But I thought the couple of things that we could pick up on this week being topical is there's obviously been a lot of chat in the news about obesity and particularly in relation to COVID and managing healthy outcomes. And I know that obesity is something that you've written a huge amount about and know so much about. What's what's your take on all of this? Yeah, I started looking at COVID and risk factors very early in all of this. So we had the early data that came out of China that perhaps was a little bit limited. Then we started getting data that came out of Italy and then the really valuable data started coming out of New York because New York really got hit hard by COVID and bad outcomes. And by bad outcomes, we mean hospitalisation, ending up in the ICU and death. And the New York data were the first that were really, really striking. And we were looking at odds ratios of up to six in terms of the difference between somebody coming in of normal weight and somebody coming in with not just being overweight. I mean, it really was um, significant obesity. So BMI levels over 40 were the worst, then BMI levels over 30. But you were then looking at risk factors on some um, circumstances six times higher for that morbid level of obesity than you were of normal weight. So it was basically saying if you turned up at this health clinic in New York where they did the study 
and you had a BMI of over 40 or over 30, but particularly over 40, you had up to a six times higher likelihood of a bad outcome from COVID. Mm. And that was extraordinary. And that was at the time when the Italian data were actually saying, hey, big surprise, if you're a smoker, um, and we would have thought that that would have been quite a problem for a respiratory disease, you're actually not getting as bad an outcome as the average person. And we were then trying to explain that. Was it that um, perhaps the lungs of smokers were a particularly unfriendly environment and the virus was rocking up and say, hey, you know, don't like the tar and the pollution and the other nasty stuff going on here. I can't actually really take a hold. Um, but there was something going on. So we were surprised that smokers weren't getting hit. But then we were seeing that people with particularly high obesity were getting hit. And that hasn't changed. So over the data that has then come out from other countries, um, a great study was done in the UK, I forget the name of the study, but Ben Goldacre was one of the people involved in it. And that came out over the summer. And they were confirming um, that in the UK data, you were looking at odds ratios of two to three times. And they were just looking at obesity by the, the normal definition of beyond 30. And yes, it, it was a significant risk factor. So mm. it's always difficult losing weight, both you and I have helped try to help people to lose weight throughout our our lives of trying to help people and we know how difficult it is yes but if there's ever a time when it's a really good idea not to have high obesity levels now is the time absolutely and I'm always struck actually whenever you see those dreadful pictures of in the newspapers or the media of people who've died with covid you know that a shocking proportion are really above a healthy weight and do you think that's why in America where they have such an epidemic of obesity, that the figures are so much higher and they're getting so many more complications because, you know, the average American is just getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, I, I don't think that's been looked at in an evidence-based way yet. I mean, it's a classic article there for the taking, particularly at, at this stage um, of the of the issue, to be able to look back over 2020 and perhaps do associations by countries and, and just start off with a simple association. Can we do an association between typical obesity levels in the country and bad outcomes from COVID? Um, mm. You can look at it anecdotally. So you can look over to perhaps Taiwan, even China, who didn't get as badly hit despite being the host country, and they don't have the obesity levels that we see in particularly the US, but also in the UK. Um, if we can then compare, for example, the French and the UK, they tend to be slimmer on average. There will be studies there for the taking, um, but at the moment we have to think of that as a possible factor in why some countries have fared worse than others. Definitely. I mean, I've got strong family connections to Kenya. And when COVID was first reported there, you know, we were all terrified because it, in the centre of Nairobi is one of the world's biggest slums. It's the biggest slum in Africa. And, you know, over a million people living literally on top of each other in little tin huts. And you thought this is just going to go through. It's going to be a rife. Um, but very, very low rates. And of course, there, you know, everybody is, you know, probably <laughs> underweight, if anything, um, and in you know, a very fit, there's very little in the way of transportation. Everybody walks everywhere. Um, they're eating a lot of vegetables because it's cheap. 
uh, and rates of obesity are, are pretty much unheard of. Before we get on to obesity and losing weight, which I know is going to be a massive interest to a lot of my listeners here, I can't help but but pick up that study that you mentioned about smokers. I mean, what's been the outcome here? Surely we're not all going to have to start a 20 a day habit. Well, no, I, I think it's just been an observation that when we expected smokers to do badly, they didn't. Right. Um, we, we were observing in the early days, men were getting hit more than women. Um, black and Asian minority ethnics were getting hit more than white people, older people. Mm. The, the most significant risk factor has still been aged throughout all of this. So yeah. older people have been getting hit way, 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 way more than younger people. Um, mm. And some of these we've got some rationales for and some we haven't. So, for example, I don't yeah. think we understand the male female difference yet well that's very linked i think to estrogen and looking at some of the studies certainly i was on the podcast here recently with dr louise newson who is gathering data um, on estrogen and they started to put out a question i think it might have been on the zoe app tracker for covid symptoms and startling information that older women on hrt so i.e replacing their hormonal um, estrogen naturally with a you know body identical estrogen um were far far less at risk of having any health complications or, or fatalities from covid and you know when you think genetically you know what's the difference between a man and a woman you know you've got your kind of your chromosomes which you can't change uh and the only other factor is is estrogen so i think personally i mean i think that there is ongoing research on that i think that would be one to watch for sure um, and of course, you mentioned there the the BAME communities and those with darker skin being more at risk. And is that to do with the fact that they are less able to process vitamin D? I think so. I mean, the the early stuff that was coming out of the Far East, where they were showing if you had low vitamin D, your likelihood of a bad outcome was huge. And if you had high vitamin D, your outcome, the likelihood of an outcome was tiny. I mean, it was just the, the graphs just flipped over. Um, at deficient vitamin D and sufficient vitamin D. I mean, it's some of the most striking research that I'd seen. And I looked at that back in the uh, the spring, early summer last year. And of course, that's a, that's a key factor then to say, if you've got darker skin, you sunbathe less, you process vitamin D less, um, and particularly displaced ethnic minorities. So we have the skin that we should have for where we should reside. So in Scandinavia, people have much fairer skin, um, which means they shouldn't go out in the sun as much, but it also means they don't need very much sun. Um, a very white-haired, fair person just needs a few minutes in the sun and their skin starts turning pink, and that's their body um, synthesizing cholesterol in the skin membranes and turning it into vitamin D or the vitamin D synthesis process. Um, and then you've got somebody with black skin who would traditionally live much nearer to the equator and their skin and their bodies are designed to be out in the heat of the sun and their skin is so able to tolerate high sun levels, they need a massive amount of sun before they actually um, get into the, the same kind of vitamin D process that the northern Scandinavian would. So then you displace the black person and this has been done with some brilliant studies looking at darker skinned people as far north as say Glasgow because we know that heart disease in ethnic minorities, the further north you go away from the equator um, is striking 
And it just goes to a vitamin D theory of not only are they displaced from their natural habitat where they would be getting far more sun, um, they get so little sun all throughout the year in Glasgow, um, and therefore they're not getting the vitamin D levels that they would in their indigenous areas and then perhaps don't supplement with vitamin d of course we've demonized everything that contains vitamin d in our dietary guidelines from eggs egg yolks particularly um oily fish we we kind of tolerate a couple of times a week you know you need 200 grams a day of sardines with the bones and the skin to be getting your vitamin d intake and nobody has that on a daily basis nobody i know um and other dairy and full fat dairy that that can provide um, vitamin d as well so and is is this message getting across do you think because you know when i go onto the nhs website looking for information you know for for example help with covid um i don't really see anything there and i certainly don't see very much about those with darker skin needing higher levels is, is there something a piece of information that we should be sharing widely with our our friends our family our colleagues you know people who perhaps might not realize that they need so much more so is it a, is it a question then of the darker the skin the more the vitamin d is needed possibly but i think just getting the message out so public health england have been advising i think they revised the vitamin d guidelines about two years ago and upped the recommended intake from 10 micrograms a day to 15, which brought it into line with the US guideline. Um, vitamin D experts like Rufus Greenbaum, Peter, uh, David Grimes, and so on, would say that's woefully deficient, that actually you should be having far more vitamin D than that, particularly when there's a virus going around that can um, be helped, alleviated to an extent by having a, a good immune system. You wanna go higher rather than lower. Um, and if you stopped 100 people in the street, they would have heard of five a day. And if you stopped 100 people in the street, I'd be surprised if barely one knew that 15 micrograms of, of vitamin D is a minimum, particularly over the winter months. And sunbathe during the sun, summer months would be an ideal. Of course, what mm. did the government do last year? Lock everyone in their houses throughout yeah. the summer period. I mean, when you saw pictures of people going to the beaches in Bournemouth, they were trashed as co-idiots look at you you idiots going to get your that, vitamin you know, d up their, their vitamin d oh, and of course you looked at the grass moving. you know i think one of the things that i've been doing this week um at lizard wellbeing is is talking about the importance of breath and I've, I've had lovely chats with a great physio talking about the importance of moving and you know she actually had covid in the very early stages of, of the lockdown last year and thankfully made a you know, full and complete recovery. But one of the most important things she said is to move every hour and to get outside, get fresh air. So, you know, if we're being told only go outside once a day for, you know, your 20 minute walk, or whatever, that's not enough, is it? We need to be out and walking and exercising our lungs, our respiratory system, moving our bodies. And I guess, you know, even in a bit of feeble uk winter sun hopefully synthesizing a little bit of vitamin d as well yeah. and getting fresh air i mean the idea that we should be wearing a mask if we're out walking in the countryside or walking along a beach if, if that's something we can do from our our home uh, absolutely horrifies me um mm. when as you say the benefit of getting your, your face is probably the only bit exposed in the cold of the winter um, and I was out for a walk on Saturday. It was absolutely beautiful. And I just yeah. was looking up at the sun and just feeling the warmth on my face. And, you know, I felt like taking my gloves off to try to get some on my hands yeah. as well. But um... 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Now, you talk about vitamin D in foods, and you mention one of my favorite foods, the humble egg. And in fact, we first podcasted um, a, a little while back about, I think, what we, we just termed egg gate, which the misleading information about eggs causing diabetes or potentially being linked to diabetes, which you, know, you managed to debunk, uh, thankfully, um, and link that back to processed foods instead, which is a real eye opener, I think, for a lot of people on, on the way that um, data is misinterpreted and, uh, and mangled for, for um, commercial gain. But what are your views, both as an obesity researcher and, uh, and writer, and also looking at vitamin D and, you know, somebody who is really at the forefront of, of looking at evidence-based statistics? What, what is it that we should be eating? You know, should we be going back to our delicious eggs? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the the easiest ways to get um, the the fifteen micrograms a day is that two hundred gram tin of sardines um, or other oily fish. But it really does need to be with the skin and bones, and that's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, you can actually mash it quite uh, quite nicely. Um, but that's when you're really getting the maximum bone nutrients, calcium, phosphorus, and vitamin D. Um, eggs are a great source. Dairy, particularly full fat dairy, is a great source. If you've got low fat dairy, of course you've taken out the fat so you've also taken out the fat soluble vitamins so any a d e and k in the dairy you've taken it out you've thrown it down my there. goodness do you know nobody has ever explained that to me I, I mean i know that you you get more um you know 
protein and, and all sorts of other good things from, from full fat. And I always use a whole milk, for example. But are you saying that if you're having, you know, low fat and semi-skimmed or skimmed dairy products, that you're getting less vitamin D in them? You've, ta you've taken out the fat. So you've also taken out the fat soluble nutrients and fat enables fat soluble nutrients to be absorbed. Um, which is why when you when you've got so so for example carotene in carrots if someone is an okay converter of carotene to retinol which is the form of vitamin A that the body needs you would still need fat for those fat soluble vitamins to be optimally absorbable by the body which is why granny always used to put butter on vegetables so granny would always have butter on carrots or spinach, which was um, the, the passed down in generations way of just in, enabling any of the fat soluble vitamins in vegetables that could be converted to actually be absorbable by the body. Um, but if you take the fat out of milk, you've pretty much taken out the um, vitamin A and vitamin D that, that were going to come with it. And also the absorbability because you don't then have the accompanying fat. Um, that is so astonishing. Oh, my goodness. Straight after this, I'm going to rush to my <laughs> fridge and have the top of the milk in my coffee. Um, I'm very interested to, to hear you say about the conversion of the beta carotene to retinol, because this is also um, totally, um, you know, un, unscripted and unprepared. But this is exactly what I've been talking about this week, because I did a, a genetic nutritional genetic test. And one of the things it showed up for me, and I only did it out of research, I, did, I was feeling perfectly well, but I just thought I ought to do it if I was going to be covering it in the magazine. Um, but it showed that I'm a very, very poor converter of beta carotene to retinol. And I would make an absolutely hopeless vegan because, you know, I'd be thinking I'm eating all these lovely green leafy veggies and I'm going to convert all my beta carotene from my carrots or whatever into retinol because that's what the body does. And then when I was talking to the... Um, to the doctor about it she said yes and actually this is a gene variation that we find in about a third of the population so that would mean that a third of vegans and vegetarians who are cutting down on their retinal intake won't be converting from beta carotene and you say that that's also an issue for you um, I was vegetarian for about 20 years and lapsed into veganism, um, particularly in one period when I had a new partner who was doing most of the cooking and he was vegan and I hadn't quite appreciated that he was vegan rather than vegetarian and um, every night just seemed to be veggie burgers, peas and brown rice, which was horrifically carbohydrate-y as well. Um, so I remember gaining a few pounds at the time, but thinking, oh, well, it's it's, it's okay tasty. Um, so I, I'm quite happy to have food cooked for me. Um, and within months um, and a few months as well, I was having eye trouble. And I ended up at the Moorfields Eye Hospital with a quite serious condition and just made no connection with the fact that I've been perfectly healthy up until that point. This is in my 20s, so I should have had no reason for eye trouble. Um, and if only the the consultant had said at uh, Moorfields Eye Hospital, what's changed? You were really healthy and, and now you've got a really quite rare and unusual eye condition. So what has changed? And if we'd have explored it together, it really shouldn't have taken that long for me to realize, oh my goodness, I'm not having milk or eggs or fish or meat. Um, at the moment, the milk and eggs and the cheese and the yogurt, th those are the things that have gone out of my diet. Um, the meat and the fish went out quite some time ago. 
but vegetarians can get away um, with this because they are still having animal foods and you can still therefore get retinol and vitamin D, D3 in the form that the body wants it and B12, the other nutrients that only occur in animal foods in the right form and I just cut those out and if only this consultant had said right let's just start putting some animal foods back into your diet um, I would have done absolutely to avoid what then happened next which was two unnecessary eye operations oh my goodness and I can tell you eye operations are really not fun because you're awake during them because they need your eyes to be open so it's about it's about as horrible as it gets when did you join the dots up then and think hang on a minute I need some retinol um, so when when I stopped being vegetarian was around 2010, well, it was actually Good Friday 2010. And in March 2010, I went to a Western Price conference in London. And I had the privilege of seeing Barry Groves talk about dietary fat. And I had the privilege of seeing Sally Fallon Morell, the founder of the Western Price Association talk about nutrients. And it was when Sally was talking about vitamin A and vitamin A toxicity for bodybuilders that over um, consume lean protein. But then she started talking about the different um, forms of nutrients. And I had just never realized that nutrients come in, in many cases, in an animal form and a vegetable form. And that in every single case when that happens, the body wants the animal form. And then when she started talking about some people can convert and other people less so, and apparently diabetics, type 2 diabetics, are particularly poor converters. But as you've recently found out, um, it's not a small group of people who are particularly poor converters. And I remember just listening to her and it was like somebody banged me on the head with a mallet. And it was like, oh, my goodness, that's me. I am one of these poor converters. Um, that is why I had two eye operations that I just didn't need. And and I, I by chance, came out of it. So I had the two eye operations. That would have been just fixing the symptoms. It wouldn't have been fixing the problem. Um, but very soon after I'd had the eye operations, I was HR director um, at the business where I was working. And this was back in 2000. And the I, I was approached by somebody locally who wanted to put in a Starbucks kind of coffee outlet into our large building servicing our large organization um and starbucks was just coming to the fore at the time and it was an independent chain so it was helping a local person and it was helping our employees it was a win-win it was massively popular um and i love frothy coffee so suddenly i was drinking two or three pints of cappuccino a day and miraculously my eye problem cleared up and that's all Isn't it needed. Isn't extraordinary? Before we go, Zoe, I think this is going to be a really important point just to make when we think about those who are listening in real time. It's the end of January. And obviously the sort of, you know, people who are, have been more plant-based focused perhaps in, in eating, there's been a lot of chat, as there usually is in January, about so-called veganuary. Mm. So if people have been you know, giving up their animal project products, perhaps for the month of January, you know, maybe they're new to it, or maybe they've you know been doing it for a long time. What would you say they need to be aware of? Well, do you know what? I mean, this is, I've, I've actually put something up on a little notepad just by your, your face here at the moment. Um, because on the 3rd of January last year, 2020, um, there was a big uh, feature on BBC Breakfast on Veganuary. And they had a dietitian on the programme called Ursula Philpott. And she was one of the founders of the Veganuary movement. And she was asked about the health aspect of doing Veganuary. So don't take my words. Let's take her words as the founder of mm. Veganuary. 
and her reply, and this is verbatim, she said, just doing it, Veganuary, for a month, you're not going to run into problems really, even if you eat a pretty poor diet. But longer than that, it has to be fairly well planned. There are gaps in the diet, things like iron, B12, vitamin D, omega-3 fats. And I would add to that things like retinol as well. Um, and there you have it. That's the founder of Veganuary saying um, you're going to have to plan. If you want to replace the word plan with supplement, um, then she and I would be in agreement because it's not just about planning. You are going to need to supplement. Um, yeah. And of course, you've then got some complications that it, with omega-3 fats, you can't supplement properly. Because if you say, I don't want to eat oily fish, but I want to take omega-3 supplements, the omega-3 supplements in the form that we need come from fish, fish oils. Um, so the vegans won't take those. So they look at algae supplements instead. Well, the algae is what the fish eat, and they then do the processing for us. So we then eat the fish, and we end up with the omega-3 fats in the form that we need them. Um, I've seen a few studies saying, oh, algae will be just fine. Um, I'm not convinced because we have this process in nature where the fish process the algae just as the cows process the grass. We can't eat grass. They process the grass for us and then we eat them and we get all their fantastic nutrients. Um, to someone trying to tell my a, a vegan or vegetarian 12 year old or whatever um, this is going to be just fine um, I, I wouldn't trust it I wouldn't trust it as a 30 year old vegan let alone as a child vegan and they are getting younger and younger unfortunately nowadays so the conclusion right. I came mm. to reluctantly was humans are designed to eat animals and I just need to get over it if my health is as important as I claim it is I just need to get over it i need to eat animals but i think we have to balance that by saying it's not every day it doesn't have it's, to be yeah it's, it's very high quality so we're looking at regenerative farming Absolutely. we're looking at grass-fed um and we're also not doing that to exclude high levels of plants and fiber so you know it's not it's not saying you can only you know go down that the entire you know kind of keto carnivore yeah. route which i know yeah. there, there are a lot of fans of you know we, we mustn't forget our vegetables yeah. and and having something that is you know very wide ranging but i guess it's about balance isn't it always yeah yeah great well thank you very much Zoe, for that's that okay insight and uh can you remind my listeners please if they would like to find out more about your work or to follow you where, where can we find you yeah um, my website is zoeharcombe.com h-a-r-c-o-m-b-e and on twitter i'm just at zoe harcum brilliant thank you so much thank you very much well, fascinating and thought-provoking as always, and I'm sure that will spark a bit of a debate in many a household, but ultimately may help more of us achieve the proper healthful levels of nutrients we need to grow, to stay strong, to stay fit and mentally capable. And to pick up on Zoe's mention of the body's conversion of beta-carotene, the vegetable form of vitamin A, to the kind that our body needs for healthy eyesight and more, such as our immune function, skin, preventing hair loss, um, all of that. This is a subject that I actually covered in a film clip that went up live this week. Yes, how about that for timeliness on the Lizelle Wellbeing YouTube channel. And here I'm talking all about the core nutrient reports that are available now from a company called Life Code GX. And this is a really brilliant bit of personal DNA analysis, 
which when I did my test recently in the interest of research, it revealed that I too do not have the genes to properly convert beta carotene to retinol. Now that is not a problem for me because I'm not a vegetarian, but it is a concern for my children who don't tend to eat much meat uh, and they will also be likely to have inherited at least part of my genetic profile. So something to watch out for. It really is a fascinating new science. So do head to YouTube to take a listen and learn a little bit more. And I'm delighted to say, and no, this is not an ad, but LifeCode GX have given all my listeners a 15% discount on both the test and the follow-up one-to-one consultation that you really do need with a fully trained nutritional therapist. Now that brings the price down from around 400 pounds to around 339, I believe. So that's a very decent saving. And if you're interested or just want to know a bit more, just go to lifecodegx.com forward slash Liz Earle. So that will take you to the Nutrient Core Report and that special bundle deal that we've got with them. And then if you enter the code Liz Loves, if you buy it all in one word in the discount code box. So that's lifecodegx.com forward slash Lizelle to take a little look. And then if you'd like to have it, you just enter the code Lizelle, all one word, in the discount code box. And if you do do it, do let me know. One of the best ways to contact me is in the comments on my Instagram. I am Lizelle Me on Instagram. That's my personal one. There's also Lizelle Wellbeing, of course, which is my team for the magazine. Please don't send me a direct message. I don't do DMs, direct messages. Oh, my goodness. I just get so overloaded. But I do always look at my comments and I do, I promise, always try and reply. Well, alas, it is time to end. Don't forget you can head to zoeharkham.com for more on the subjects that Zoe mentioned. And of course, there's a lot more information over at lizarwellbeing.com and in my Wellbeing magazine, which is, yes, only available on subscription now. But there is a very good discount deal right now. And the UK PMP is free. So it's a great time to go for it. And you'll find details if you would like on the Lizard Wellbeing website as well, actually, is where to sign up for my free weekly newsletter as well. I do hope you enjoyed today's edition. If you are signed up, it's filled with some of my favourite healthier chocolate treats too. Yes. Could there be such a thing? Well, slightly healthier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before I go, a very quick thanks for your reviews on iTunes. Uh, just looking at them now. Um, this one from Ruth. Uh, left on the 24th of Jan, who says really helpful and engaging. Thanks so much. Uh, this one left by Little P16, uh, also saying, I've been listening to your podcast since autumn 2019. I listen when I'm walking, cooking, ironing, relaxing. I find it always uplifts my spirits and gets me thinking as well as excited at the prospect of trying something, recommending, learning something, feeling like I am normal in terms of perimenopause and getting older. And if Liz feels stressed and out of her depth in regards to homeschooling, well, I know why I feel that way too. Brilliant. Look forward to hearing more in 2021. Thank you very much, little P16. Yes, homeschooling. Oh dear, how's it going your end? Hmm, 
maybe that's a subject of a whole new podcast episode. Anyway, much appreciate you taking the time to write. And of course, a big thanks to all those who have left me and my podcast team a five-star review rating. Genuinely so much appreciated. So please do give us a little click if you can. So sending happy, healthy, and above all, positive vibes to all. Have a great start to the weekend if you're listening to me in real time and a very good week ahead. Until the next time, go well. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.